0: to Vet Talk, the veterinary podcast. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. This is an informational podcast and we hope you find it a valuable tool to help you understand veterinary medicine and how to better care for your animals. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud, or by going to LickingValleyVet.com and finding the education page. While you are there, take a look at our blog section for more helpful information. You can also follow Licking Valley Veterinary Hospital's Facebook page if you want regular updates on released podcasts, blogs, and videos. If you find this information helpful, please feel free to make a donation to the continuation of this content. There is a link to do this on the webpage under the podcast list. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. Here we continue our discussion on cattle. It's hard to know where to start, but I think we start with the bull. Without bulls, it would be hard to make little baby calves. You need a good bull, and I mean you need a good bull. I say this about all cattle. If they are aggressive towards people or wild, they need to go to slaughter on the first truck away from your farm. Make them hamburger. Sure, bulls are big and can hurt you and you want a virile bull who will fight to get the job done, but a bull has a lot of weight to throw around and you don't want him constantly breaking equipment, hurting people, or making working with your cows a more dangerous occupation. This goes for any female too. A wild animal makes the herd wild just by their presence and they need to go. It's not worth keeping them, even if she is your best producing animal. And actually, safety and housing is where we will start. I see so many people want to get into cattle farming The first thing they do is throw up some fence and get some cows and put them in a field. Don't do that. It usually ends up with cows getting loose and running around the town with the new farmer having no way to actually work with these animals. So many times I have been called out and the farmer says, something's wrong with my cow, doc. What we gonna do? I look around and I ask, I don't see the cow, where is it? The farmer points and the cow is across a field. It's limping, but the farmer has no way to catch it. Contrary to popular belief, I don't have many good oral medications to sedate cows, nor do I have exceptionally good roping skills. I'm a decent shot with a tranquilizer gun, but speaking from experience, stalking a cow through the forest with a dart gun is not going to end the way you think it will. Anyway, so you need proper facilities. You don't have to necessarily start out with everything, but you need a few things I will go over now. One, you need fields and fence for cattle. It's simple. Cows need grass and you need to keep your cows from running off to other people's grass because cows should be eating your grass whether or not it is greener on the other side of the fence. There's tons of fencing options out there and I can't say I have many preferences other than I don't recommend barbed wire. Why? Because having strung barbed wire in my youth and slipping through barbed wire as a veterinarian, I'm tired of being cut or ripping my clothes on barbed wire. Plus, I've had to take multiple strands of barbed wire out that have been wrapped around animals and sunk into their flesh. And I'm just tired of removing those rusty foreign bodies from animals. 2. You need a water source. Your cows need water. This can be a pond. This can be water collected in a cistern, or this can be water that you use to run up your utility bill. Three, and this is really important. You need a way to restrain them. I would honestly say that this is a two-item thing. One, a barn, and two, a headgate. Barns don't have to be fancy. They can be nothing more than sheds, but you need a way to get the cattle up if you need to isolate one or have a sick one that needs special care. You also need a headgate. For those of you who are cattle illiterate, a headgate is a device a cow will walk into made of heavy metal and then closes down on their neck. Before you jump to any conclusions, this is not a torture device and it's not made to hurt the cow. The main thing is it needs to be able to restrain the cow. Even the most docile cow can react poorly to a needle poke from a vet trying to administer life-saving medication. These animals can be 1,200 to 2,000 pounds. They can crush people, gore people, and snap human bones without so much as a thought. If you don't have good restraint, there is a risk you will get hurt seriously. With good restraint, there is still a risk, but it greatly minimizes it. And even if you don't mind risking your life, remember, when you call the vet, he's very likely only making, at most, a few hundred dollars from one sick cow. My latest insurance plan says to fix a broken bone, it would cost me somewhere between 1700 and $2,500. Not to mention six to eight weeks where I may not be able to work to my full abilities. I just don't care about you or your cow enough to risk breaking my bones. And if I don't care enough about that, do you think there's any amount of money you could pay me to make me risk my life and business like that? So yeah, we have to be able to restrain cattle and a headgate is a great first step. Does every farm I work with have a headgate? No, they don't. There are certainly other safe ways to work with knowledgeable cattle people to restrain these large animals. Ropes and gates can work wonders many, many times. And thank God there are many times when human stupidity is rewarded with non-painful success. But as I get older, there are times I just say no to cattle situations. And I encourage young vets to learn that quickly. There's no reason to get hurt. If the situation is not safe, do not put yourself in that situation. Also, cattle farmers have a rope. I don't know how many cattle farmers I've went out to, the stereotypical type with the large belt buckles and big cowboy hat. They explain the problem and I say, I see there's no headgate here. Well, let's get a rope and tie the cow so it can't move while we are working on it. Or, let's get a rope and tie the foot so I can look at it better while your cow stands in the head gate. Stunned silence. They look at me blankly. They don't have a rope. Why would you own a cow and not have a rope? And someone is saying, well doc you're the vet why don't you have the rope? Well I used to carry a rope and I usually have some stashed away on the truck. Hidden. But I have found when my ropes are used to restrain other people's cows there is a good chance if something goes wrong the vet loses a rope. After buying so many ropes I have decided it's best to leave restraint to the owner. I'm the vet. I'm there to do the medical work, not hold the cow. Anyway, there are lots of degrees of restraint. I've seen facilities with multiple holding pens for cattle to herd them into as they are worked, between rotating them between large pastures. I've also seen where there are chutes where the cattle can be herded to the headgate and metal enough to keep you safe while working on these beasties. No one starts with all of this. You work up to it. One thing a year. But planning it all out and knowing each thing you will add will save you a lot of trouble in the future. Year one fields and a barn and a rope and a head gate. Year two shoot system. Work into it, but realize you can only do so much with such a big animal without proper restraint. I bet a few of you are wondering about cowboys and restraint. I know one cowboy. I'm proud to Civil War reenact with him. He can rope and ride and shoot. But in Kentucky, I don't feel like we have many of these, at least like you see in the old western movies. I had someone ask once if a cowboy could catch their cow running loose in the field. I was like, yeah, but I don't know if there are any to hire around here. I'm not from out west. I'm sure there's more roping and wrangling out there. But at least in Kentucky, we don't have cowboys riding in between towns to catch and herd your cows. So, unless you can rope and ride yourself, plan ahead to have a way to restrain these animals. Back to the bull. How do you select this bull? Most people are thinking about bloodlines and who he's related to and what's his sire production rate, etc, etc. All that stuff can be important. From the veterinary side, here's what I am looking for number one disease free you should have proof that your bull is negative from specific diseases before he goes into your herd i once had a family that shared a bull between three farms there was a disease outbreak it turned out the bull had spread the disease from one farm to the next until all the herds had to be culled or removed from the farm because all of the cattle had the same disease the family felt awful they had hurt their brothers' and sisters' animals and financial well-being. While that was an accident, there are nefarious people or people who are just not aware of diseases that cattle can transmit. So ask for proof that the bull is negative for the diseases that are endemic to your region. Your regular veterinarian can make recommendations for what you should watch out for. And don't take someone's word about the disease state of their bull. It's not that they are lying, but oftentimes they misunderstand what you say or misunderstand how disease is transmitted. Uh, yeah, he was negative for that disease. Oh, wait, you found him positive after you saw your cows getting sick? Well, he was negative, and then I rented the bull to a neighbor, and his herd was sick, so he sent him back. But my bull looked fine. I guess I didn't think about that. Uh, It was probably your cows that got my bull sick. Uh Uh-huh. You are protecting your herd, so be vigilant. The bull is pretty much a whore. He sleeps around, and bulls don't use protection. So every cow he sleeps with has a chance to spread disease to him. And then once the bull has this disease, he can spread that disease to every future cow he meets. In some upcoming episodes, we will discuss the three diseases I want every bull to be free of in my region. Bovine leukemia, yonis, and anaplasma. And trust me, it's better to be safe and spend some money to get these bulls tested because I have been in multiple situations where a negative herd is suddenly positive for a disease and the only new factor to the herd is the bull they just purchased. Better yet... Instead of you spending money, purchase a bull from someone who regularly tests and has documented proof of these negative tests. 2. As far as genetics go, I'm not too worried about much other than them throwing small calves. There's no 100% guarantee any calf will turn out small, but some bulls' bloodlines are more likely to throw smaller calves. You're probably thinking, but big calves are good, right? You want more meat to sell sure once they're out of the mother you want your calves to be born and large calves can cause dystocias or difficult births and if you have those you'll probably be seeing someone like me and then the bills that come along with me trying to get that calf out get that calf out of its mom and then worry about getting it big three personality No, this isn't a Miss America contest, but like I said earlier, bulls are big and bad. If you are looking at a bull to buy, and the bull you've been eyeing takes out three fences in a rodeo clown before pointing its hoof at you and saying you're next, you probably don't need that bull. Cattle can be dangerous. Bulls are even more dangerous because they are meant to be more aggressive and pass on traits that make them more survivable in the wild. The aggressive ones survive in the wild. Well, in the domesticated world, we get to choose the traits that will be passed on. I never trust a bull, but I want one that isn't going to try to charge through the fence to kill me if I happen to be walking by. 4. Breeding Soundness Evaluations, BSEs If you are buying a bull or just want to see what the fertility is for your bull, go to a veterinarian who can provide a competent BSE. By the way, this is not me. I don't have the facilities. In this exam, a bull is evaluated for multiple factors. Some physical factors such as making sure he has no foot injuries or hair constricting his penis, but mainly to look at his semen. His semen is collected and it is counted for motility and if the sperm themselves have defects and looked healthy. Spend a little money on this. After all, if you buy a bull and he can't get any cows pregnant, that's not going to help your bottom line or calf crop. Remember, both young and old cows may have troubles getting the job done. 5. Also, ask the question do you need to buy a bull? Think about what bulls do. They have sex and eat food, wait a second, what's the downside? Oh yeah, yeah, becoming burger at the end of your life. But yeah, I recommend only having the bull in with your herd for a short time, 60 to 90 days. One of the biggest problems I see producers have is a bull in the field year round. That means you can have calf births year round. You never know when they will happen. You always have to be on the watch for them. There is more chance to miss a birthing when it goes wrong because it could be at any time. I want the bull in the field with the cow for 60 days. He gets the job done. You test the herd to see who is pregnant, and all the pregnant ones get moved into a separate field. He gets 30 more days to get the few that weren't pregnant, pregnant, and he moves on. As for the cows... If they don't get pregnant, you have to decide if they need to stay around or not. But basically, you only need a bull for 90 days. That way, all your babies come out in a 90-day period, 283 days later. If you want to shorten this period, make it just 60 days and don't give the bull a a mop-up time. Move the bull after 60 and cull the cows that didn't get pregnant the shorter the time allows you to be watchful during that time and have a more regulated life the rest of the year. Because what do you need the bull for after that? Nothing. He's done his job. You're just wasting money feeding and housing him. That is why some people rent bulls. They rent the bulls, and then when they have done their job, they send the bull away. Less cost of food, less safety risk, and if you don't like the job the bull does, you don't have to get him again. Number six, alternatively, you could do AI or artificial insemination. Many vets are trained to do this, or as I do, I supply the drugs to the farmers so they can hire an AI tech who comes to the farm to help get the job done. How is this job done without the bull? Well, the farmer decides on a bull they like, and the bull is collected, and then its semen is sent to be inserted in the cow to make a baby. The trick is getting the semen in at the right time. This is done by using drugs to manipulate the cows, so they are all ovulating at the same time, which happens to be the time to do this. AI rates are usually not as good as when the bull is there doing its job, or a live cover, as it's called. But this is a good alternative if you don't want to house a bull or are looking for specific bloodlines that you wouldn't be able to purchase the specific bull you are wanting. A few notes. Make sure to keep a good relationship with your vet. Remember that VCPR episode I did a while back? Yeah, this hurts people. I got a call one day from a client. They had followed the weeks of ovulization synchronization protocols and were ready for one last shot to complete the process. Cattle were up to be worked and the hired hands were there. They called and needed a drug that day. Um, well, I'd drop ship all those drugs to you. I can put the order in today, but you are calling on a Friday. It won't get out to you until Monday at the best, more than likely Tuesday. This was something the farmer knew. I have for years not kept inventory on hand for things like cattle vaccines and non-emergency drugs. This is something that is well planned ahead, so to keep costs down, I ship these drugs directly to the producers. Yeah, I know, Doc, I messed up, but I need the drug today or everything is thrown off. I'll just go to another clinic and pick up some. Well, you haven't used another vet in years. They couldn't legally give you those drugs without seeing your cattle. They are prescription. Long story short, the other vet gave them the drugs. Illegal? Yes. Helpful to the client? Yes. 6A. So yes, to continue with AI, you get your cattle cycling. Then the AI tech or vet comes out and inseminates the cattle. And hint, hint, they would like a headgate. I don't do much of this, so I will leave any details of this to discussing it with your AI tech or sexually knowledgeable veterinarian. Just be aware, many AI techs say that 50 to 80% conception rates are what they are hoping for. With the proper number of bulls in the field you should be around 85 percent herd conception rates the first go around and then up to 90 percent with the mop-up month. And proper number of bulls is roughly one bull to 25 cows. I think the good AI techs are hedging their bets so they don't look bad if something goes wrong or make them look good if things go as planned. But these are the rates I hear and are those rates good enough for you? Anyway, AI has all the benefits of sex for the cows, but not a 2,000 pound bull riding them. And having done some AI work a few times, I can say if most cows are eating some grain while you are working, they don't even realize what you are doing. Anyway, if you go the AI route, you will be having lots of in-depth conversations with your veterinarian or AI tech about how to impregnate cattle. While this is a proven method and eliminates the dangers of the bull, I do caution people when they get into reproductive work with animals. Animals have been having sex without our help for millions of years. We're usually not better at having sex with animals than animals are. But let's say you go the bull route. You have a bull. You have a place to hold a bull, and the bull is disease-free. Wait. What were those diseases the bull is free of again? That's what we will go into over our next few episodes. Then perhaps after that, we will get into the bull's favorite subject, the ladies. Until next time. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Nathan. I hope this information was helpful to you and gives you a little more perspective on the world. If you want to reach out to us, email us at theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tell your friends about our podcast and check out LickingValleyBet.com for information on blogs, videos, and the complete list of podcasts in our education section.